Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex podcast. I'm Shelly, and joined with me today, of course, is Serge. Serge, how have you been? I, I've been really good. Uh, I think it's been busy. Like recruiting is so busy and such a busy lifestyle, uh, but it's been good. How about you? Uh, busy on your end? Yes. Um, you know, part of saying that word that you're busy is um, a bit cringy for me because I'm of that kind of, I'm right on the cusp of the age demographic where saying you're busy is like a badge of honor. Um, and that's always really irked me. Um, mm. I can say that I am, um, I'm, I'm at a nice pace, a brisk pace. Shall we go? No, I, I want the badge of honor. I'm really, really busy. So <laughs> oh, just I'm so give me busy. the accolade. I'm oh, so busy. I'm so yeah. busy. Can you just please oh, God, give me like, me yeah, I know. Uh, but that's why I use it. Like I purposely tried to make I you know. cringe. <laughs> like, you know how you make your kids cringe? Yes. Uh, so I guess. Yeah. I'm your kid in a way. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I know. Oh, actually, that's no. not really, but yeah. Works the other way. Yeah. 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 All good. All Surge, good. So, moving on. <laughs> yes. Let's move on. Let's just move on. Let's introduce our guest because um, this is actually one of my favorite people in recruitment. Kim, don't let that go to your head. Uh, Kim Wilkinson is the director of recruitment at Verve Recruitment Group. Welcome, Kim. <laughs> you for having me i'm excited to chat with you guys today it's a welcome back actually yes yes you were one of <laughs> i think you were one of our first five podcasts that we ever did we had you on maybe i think it was i don't, I don't yeah, recall you receiving were in... a plaque or something i should <laughs> there should be like a plaque that comes first well, five a sticker <laughs> hey kim uh really excited to have you on the show and it's funny i was texting with kim last night and we were talking about The Bachelorette. So give me your insights. Because there might be listeners that are watching The Bachelorette as well. Like, what's your thoughts on Claire and everything going on with her? I mean, I feel like Claire is using this as like a counseling session. I am third-hand awkward embarrassed for her. Um yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge bachelor, like from the beginning, die hard. I did tune into this because I've always said that I think the bachelor is just the wrong demographic. You know, when you bring in a 26 year old hot looking chick, I'm like, this girl does not need help finding a husband. Like you need to do it for that 39, 40 year old. I'm divorced. I've got a kid. Look at all my baggage. Those are the people that need help finding love. So I was excited that they did that but then they brought on all these young guys like, and you're like what oh I really want to be with Claire it's like you're 26 buddy like come on you have a whole life ahead of you like you're not thinking ahead when you're 40 and she's going to be almost 60 like I don't know that that attraction will be there anymore but I mean it's filled with drama it's not disappointing I think next week is going to be where we see things full really fall apart I've seen some teasers on what's to come so definitely excited <laughs> yeah so I I've okay I'll, I'm going to admit this I used to watch The Bachelor quite a bit so you know fantasy football well we used to have kind of 
fantasy bachelor. So a bunch of dudes, like no girls allowed. <laughs> we what? would uh, we would have viewing bachelor viewing parties, and we would put five hundred dollars each in a pot, and whoever guessed the right one would win the pot at the end. So it was highly competitive. We got that's substantial. Five hundred. Yeah, no, it, it was. It, you would win twenty five hundred bucks. We're five guys. Um, and and the funny part of it is our girlfriends and wives did not believe us that we were doing this. They thought we were doing something else like hanging out and like, I don't know, watching football. And one day, one of the girlfriends actually came to the apartment because she didn't believe us and she saw us watching Bachelor. She had other questions um, after the fact that uh, she was no longer worried. Well, not that she was worried, but... She had some deep questions of what five guys were doing together watching The Bachelor. So anyways, <laughs> enough about The Bachelor. Um, I want to talk about a whole bunch of recruitment stuff. So one of the things, so Kim is in the top 20 on the, the top recruiter in Canada. So what is it called? The top recruiter, so our friend Luke Gass, um, it, it's called the top recruiter awards, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're in the top 20 and you're potentially, so people can go now and vote for you to be the top. How does that work? Can you break it down for me? Yeah. So I'm in the top 20 now. So like no one can take that from me. So that's good. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to be kicked out, of, kicked out of that standing. But in addition to that, there's a people's choice component where people can go in and vote for who they want it's like the mtv awards obviously way more glamorous and high profile but uh, same sort of so yeah you just click on if you go to the toprecruiter.co website um it's right under their header where you can go in and vote for who you'd like to see as the people's choice award winner and i think it's only open for eight days or so they announced i believe next week so it's a pretty short window uh for voting didn't you win last year kim Thanks. That yeah. is awesome. That's exciting. And well-deserved. Well-deserved. And so I do believe you have to be nominated, right? Or do you throw your own hat in the ring? Well, I mean, I, you could um, if you wanted. I did not. Is But once in the top 25 um, last year, I think I was 15th or 16th, and then I'm 10th this year. So slowly but surely, wow. number one, hopefully. <laughs> Wow. That congratulations. Congratulations. Well, I, no I'm, accident. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I've worked with many recruiters and you're one of the favorites I've ever worked with and everyone has exactly the same. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Kim as a recruiter, many bad things outside of recruitment, but as a recruiter, <laughs> uh, the feedback has all been positive <laughs> on that end. It's good that people can separate it, right? Like she's really great at her job, but just some really unfavorable things. She smells bad. <laughs> Just, I mean, kidding. <laughs> well, anyone that has 27,000 LinkedIn connections, uh, or is it 28,000 now? Where are you at? We're at about 28 and a half, I think, right now. Um, yeah, so it's growing. I'm, I'm almost at my limit, which stresses me out because I then will have to go through and I think, um, like, basically evaluate all my connections to make sure that they are what I need and what I'm mm -hmm. trying to curate. So that in itself will be quite a project. Is there a place that we can send you a message to make sure we make the cut? Like, I just want to make <laughs> sure I'm not cut here. 
I'm going to be like that person on Facebook. We've all seen them like going through my friends list. If you're still here next week, congratulations. <laughs> no, it won't be that uh, official. But I think in the beginning, when I first started growing my network, I wasn't quite as particular about who I connected with, where now I'm very specific about um, what connection requests I'm accepting mm. and who I'm sending them to. So, so you're not a, a LinkedIn open networker? No, no. Specific? Really? Yeah, I, I have, to, I just, I have to be, I think um, for me, when I'm putting out content, because I focus so much in Calgary, I want it to come to a Calgary market. So I keep it very local, um, unless it makes sense to be outside. I know there's some clients that I have, you know, I'm dealing with HR in Vancouver or wherever. So I'm connecting with them, but honestly, it doesn't suit sort of what I'm trying to build in terms of being able to help people if my message is going to someone in Texas. So, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so then on that note, tell, let's talk a little bit about trends. I mean, I've got some things that my crystal ball is showing me. Yeah. Cause I don't think anybody, well, I mean, we've between the three of us, I think we've got a ton of experience. Um, but as far as what do you see as trends in in recruitment, maybe some things that we're going to see continue on in 2021? Yeah, I think a lot of I think it's going to be the world of the contractor um, for sure. There's a lot of hesitance right now in full time hiring. Um, I think as we make our way through this pandemic and the waves of okay, I think we're okay to shoot now they're shutting things down again. It's really creating a lot of uncertainty with hiring managers and spending. Um, I know a large high profile uh, purchase has just taken place, which is again, rocking Calgary um, with what will be some upcoming layoffs. So yeah, the contractor will be key. And so I do think that, you know, for people looking for work to have that edge is just to be open to, to doing mm -hmm. that. It, don't be weird about short-term, long-term. Um, know what the rules are around EI. I work with so many candidates who are like, I don't want to mess up my EI. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. EI does, EI does an awful job of educating you of how to pick up contract work while you're collecting EI. You do not need to stop your claim. You just report your earnings and it pauses. Um, so yeah, so make sure that you understand kind of what that looks like. But yeah, I think definitely just a lot of contract work. I do think that there'll be great potential for that to turn permanent. Um, but I, I do feel um, that we'll see a, a good, I would say probably half the world I'm working on right now are contract opportunities. And what are job seekers telling you as you're like, what's the overall feeling in the market? Um, are they worried? Are they anxious? Like, what are, what are you seeing? Like, I think there's definitely a sense of discouragement. I think the volume of applications coming in and the inability, and you know this being in corporate, the amount of resumes you're getting is just, it's impossible to address. every single applicant that comes in on a person starting to feel discouraged by, you know, I've been speaking with some candidates who apply to 150 jobs and have heard not one thing back. So, I mean, I think there's some areas of opportunity that candidates can do to contribute to that not happening as well as what companies can do to sort of better that. But, um, but then there's also some really great news stories. Like I've been, you know, working on some roles where I'm dealing with candidates fielding multiple offers. 
Um, some candidates, you know, getting jobs and headhunted within weeks of being out of work. So it's really a bit of a, a mixed bag. But I would say, honestly, a common theme is the candidates that have networked themselves well, who are leveraging their network, who have built a good personal brand for themselves, they are the ones that are rebounding from this the best. Mm. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot as far as uh, I think we the last couple of episodes, actually with Will, a big discussion is how like building your brand, a lot of people get nervous about building your personal brand um, for, for no reason in the sense, basically it's connecting with people and, and creating value when not necessarily when you need something. Cause I think that's what happens. A lot of people lose yeah. their job, then they start networking, then they start creating their own personal brand. And it's not too late. I'm not saying, but you should be doing that right now, even if you have a job. And especially as you're talking is in the world where there's been a lot of layoffs, um, there's more coming. So you got to put yourself in a position that you're really marketable and, and your people know who you are in your industry. So I think that's really good advice. So the other piece of advice, Serge, and, and I, Kim, you probably would echo this, is networking doesn't mean connecting with someone on LinkedIn and immediately asking them to find you a job. Yes. <laughs> I can tell you, I will, and I know, Serge, you and I have talked about this and, I, and I've started doing it more and more, is if you could not be bothered to send me a personal message about why you want to connect with me, uh, why on earth, like what makes you think that I will just automatically do something to find you a job. Like and that, I, where that does that come bothers from? me too is where does find that come me from? a job. And I think that's yeah. a disconnect in what we do. Like I assist people in their job search to a degree, but I don't find people jobs. I'm not a career counselor, or career service. I have opportunities that I will present to candidates that I'm working with. And certainly you know, work with candidates to put them forward in front of clients that I feel could, you know, potentially benefit from their skill set. But um, I think they also, there needs to be a bit of education. And I, I do have a LinkedIn post that I'm kind of marinating on really explaining the balance of a recruiter and where our place is in your job search. Because I do think that there is a bit of a um, misinformation or, or lack of correct perception out there on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Everyone thinks a recruiter is working for them. A recruiter is never working for you as the job seeker. They are working for the company that are paying them. So it's always a tough message. Um, do, you, do you really get that perception from a lot of job seekers that they think basically your job is to find them a job? Well, I think, I think more so that they believe that, um, how do I want to put it? That, yeah, that, that I just have this abundance of jobs all the time that it's just you know um and that my job is to you know coach them on how to get a job and walk them through um because there's some things that I'm not the right resource for and I'm pretty open with people like I'm not your right resource if you're doing a complete you know 180 on your skill set like for sure go and do that I'm not your resource my clients are not going to hire me to find them someone with no experience in the job that they're hiring so um yeah, I, I do think there is sometimes that perception or, you know, you'll get that message and I, this kind of goes to what Shelly was saying, like, hey, take a look at my profile. Let me know what you think. And I'm like, right. <laughs> you just gave me a job. Why? I'm like, this 
(laughs) And not that I I try and help people like as much as I can. I offer free resume feedback all the time. Um, If I can put in a good word for someone with one of my connections and leverage the network I've built for someone um, to people that I work with, awesome. Um, But yeah, I think people need to be ahead of their networking and and people also need to be kind to their recruiters. And um, I know anyone in agency world will know this, that, you know, you'll reach out to clients and often be met with some abrupt or rude feedback back or won't ever return a message or, and I get it, you're busy, but then the moment those people are out of work, they're knocking your door down and, Hey, I haven't heard back from you. Where are you? How can you help me get me a job? So I think really there needs to be a good balance of um, maintaining those connections, whether working or not, because you just never know. Um, It's so much about who you know in this city, I find. It is. And you, that's a great point, Kim, because I'll tell you, um, having been a both agency and corporate here in Calgary for, let's say, 20 plus years. Um, That is exactly how my relationships have been. My clients become my candidates. My candidates become my clients. And that's, that's how you build, that's how you build relationships. And so it was never, um, you know, those people that you maintain a relationship with, it's not the work of networking. It's, it is people that you like being around, right? And, And so when they, sooner or later, your candidates will land a job. And if they, if they had a great experience and they like you, um, they're going to bring you along. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's just how it works. Right. But so, yeah, do you know, I, I, um, I get the, the, the people who treat you poorly always will, you know, mm. let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, so one of the things that I'm always curious about and, uh, is when it comes to staffing is obviously I've been on the corporate side most of my career, spent a little bit of time in the staffing, but I deal with staffing firms and I want the ability or any um, any firm itself, I, I want the ability to give them all the information they need to be successful. And sometimes I deal in the same challenge that you would uh, is like the hiring manager is tough to get feedback on interviews or anything like that. But would like to know your advice for corporate recruiters because we have a lot that listen here. What's the best way to deal uh, with someone like you that's on the staffing side? Um, like with an active order, like we're engaged, we're working on something. A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. So I think honestly, a. Like I'm here to assist and make you look better. I I think if you've partnered with a recruiter that you trust, then you don't have that fear. Because I think sometimes where we see those barriers is where there's almost this, you know, I need to work with you, but in an adversarial kind of way, like you're kind of coming in and doing work I should be doing where you need to find a recruiter that you can um, be open with and chat and understand the value that they're bringing to your team that's freeing you up to do other things as well and enhance your success and give me access to your hiring manager. I think honestly is probably going to be the easiest way. Um, Playing middleman is no fun for anyone. And I'm okay to push back on that hiring manager and do my job. I don't want to put you in a position where you're having to follow up and, um, 
you know, feel like a nag internally, you have to work with that person every day. I don't. So I'm okay to say, hey, um, we need to get back to these candidates or we need to move on this or here's what, you know, um, next steps need to look like and, and take that off your plate. I'm here to assist and, and make your life easier. So let me, let me do that. Um, and there's so much power and value in me building relationships with those hiring managers and my ability to do the right culture fit. Um, it, it's night and day difference when I have that access. And, and when you find a good recruiter, you like external recruiter, you know that you'll be looped in. Like I have clients where I'm dealing with a hiring manager, but every transaction that's happening, I will circle in the recruiter so they know can control spend and know um, where things are in the process. So, cause I think that's part of the fear too, where they're like, I don't want to be completely out of the loop and find out, oh my gosh, I'm drafting an offer. I had no idea that we were even interviewing candidates yet. And so um, I think it just goes to making sure that you're selecting that recruiter that's going to respect your place in the process, um, but as well make your life easier. So, Yeah, and when it comes to selecting, that's an interesting point. So if I'm a corporate recruitment team, a corporate recruiter, what should I look for when it comes to working with an agency? Uh, someone you like, honestly, like no one's really reinventing the wheel. Like recruitment is recruitment. I mean, I do think obviously there's maybe some people who do an awful job, but there are lots of great recruiters out there. So someone that you feel you can chat with, someone that you feel that you can have super open conversations with. I mean, you're talking about people here. So, um, and sometimes you're like, oh, I really didn't like that person. And so, um, or they're not going to be a good fit. So someone that you feel comfortable to have those conversations with, someone that you feel you can trust. Um, and for me, someone in my mind that I would look for is someone that I've heard good feedback from candidates on. Um, I mean, that's a big piece for me that I believe the candidate really gets lost in the recruitment process, which is so funny to me that because they are the heart of the recruitment process. And so, you know, if you've dealt with someone yourself personally that you had a really great experience with, or you heard from a buddy like, hey, I dealt with this recruiter and they were awesome. Like that's who you should be looking for because, um, someone who's just catering to their client and letting their candidates just kind of go by the wayside, that's honestly not probably who I would lend to or, or want to be working with. Mm -hmm. So, and I think I, I really like what you said right from the get-go is the fact that the relationship with the corporate recruiter is to make them look good. Yeah. Yet corporate recruiters feel, if well, Maybe if they are less sophisticated and don't understand that you do not, as a corporate recruiter, have access to everybody. Um, and when you finally realize that your brand doesn't have this almighty power that you think it does, um, there's a lot of people that have never heard of your company or would they ever consider working for you? <laughs> or the and time, so, right? Like, they, you know, exactly. how many recs do you have on the go right now, Serge? Oh, a lot, 40. Over yeah, 40, right. Yeah. So like, like it's exactly. crazy to say that you could give it the attention. Like if you're or, you know, another book comes in to say you could dedicate the man hours that, you know, myself or another third party recruiter could to headhunt that urgent role. I mean, it's just you're only a human, right? So yeah, let someone help you. 
Yeah, it's an interesting right now because what happened with COVID, a lot of recruiters got laid off. So when I say corporate recruiters in, in that sense, and now it's picking back up, a lot of the teams are very, very lean, but the expectations are, are very similar as far as I think the, the needs are actually more urgent than they've ever been because a lot of these business went three, four months with limited business. Now they're picking up and they need the people to execute on this business. And right now, unfortunately, a lot of recruitment teams on the corporate side are just not geared. Like uh, we've been battered a little bit as far as losing headcount, losing Mm -hmm. budget. Uh, So these are opportunities to leverage agencies like yourself to basically help and draw and kind of fill in the blanks and kind of fill in the holes where we, we need to be able, because we like, my team is an example of two recruiters right now and we're doing 40 roles, there's no way we can execute the way we should on those roles. Uh, so I, I'm totally on the same page as you on that one. Um, one so of as the soon thing- as we publish this uh, episode, Serge, your phone is going to ring off the hook. You realize that, right? <laughs> like you just Serge kicked the out. door open for every agency to, uh, to be hounding you. They're going to be texting you. They're going to be, oh yeah. I'll, I'll give you this. Is Oh, yeah. And that happens naturally. Uh, like this is every day I get several inquiries on from different agencies. But I'll say it this way. It's usually if you're calling me now, uh, it's too late because I've already spent a long time building relationships with people that I trust in a particular sector that I can pull those levers when I need to. Yeah. So this is where... You might be late to the game because you know how many times that they see one of my job postings and they automatically call me being like, let me help you with that job. Um, That's not going to work because I'm already in depth on that job. I'm already working on it. And if I needed to engage a third party, I already have. Uh, I'm I'm proactive enough to be able to do that. So that's one piece of advice on the flip side when it comes to dealing with recruiters. Try to start building those relationships before... uh, before they need you. Um, Because the first thing is like in reality, I'll get an urgent need. uh, And if I don't feel internally, we can do it. Well, I'm going to rely on those relationships that I've built already and call those people first. Am I going to use someone that I trust that I've worked in the past or has given me value? And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I do a lot of IT recruitment. Some are pretty complex. And I had a recruiter reach out to me a while ago just to connect. Uh, He did it in a really good way. So I connected with him. And then he started sending me sales opportunities that our company would be a fit for. So RFPs that he saw. And we actually got business from one of the RFPs that he sent me. So when it came to I needed someone to help me with a particular role in, in the tech sector, He's the guy I called. He added value to me. So it was kind of that relationship was built on that end. Um, So it's always, networking is always about adding value to someone else. And if you do, karma is going to come back. I guarantee you that. I agree. Yeah, I do. I agree. Very much like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Like, yeah, it's, we're also, it's also connected um, when you really look at it. So I think that you're, that you're totally right. I mean, I recommend clients of mine um, in conversations that I'm having all the time, right? I mean, I work with one client that's sort of in a retail-ish type environment and I switch to them like from like my family and personal use just because, you know what, I've gotten a ton of business 
from this organization. Um, really grateful. So I'm going to give you my business as well. Mm. I want to talk about uh, something that I think we all have an interest in. Um, and myself and Shelly were talking about this is best interview questions. Um, I want to talk about interview questions that you like to use. And Shelly, I'm actually going to start with you questions. Uh, and also, I want to talk about some examples of some really bad interview questions uh, or answers that uh, I've received. So Shelly, uh, you brought up this topic and yeah. you're working on interview questions. It's kind of almost your specialty when it comes to copywriting. Give us an example of really good interview questions or maybe some that are not so good. Okay. So um, I'll start with what I, what I know is the best interview question ever. And, and I, by the way. Okay, good. <laughs> because the, and it starts with this premise that the best interviews are when I do the least amount of talking. I'm not, I'm, I ask the question and all I do is let them talk because they will, candidates, if you ask the right question, they will tell you everything you need to know. Um, and so, so some assumptions that you are interviewing someone who's met the qualifications of the job, but my very favorite question is tell me the time in this job, this last job that you were in, tell me about the time where you couldn't wait to get to work. And what is usually the answer to that? So, so the answer is, is if somebody really loves what they do and you can take a look at anybody, no matter what job you worked in, nobody takes a job thinking that this is going to suck. Nobody takes a job without being hopeful and knowing that, you know, I, I did my very best. I'm starting something new, new boss, new colleagues, new challenges. So nobody goes into it thinking, I've just joined the most toxic workplace in the world, right? Nobody does. So at some point in, you, in whatever job you held last, you were on fire. You could not wait to get to work. The answer and what we're listening for is they will tell us how to engage them, right? The candidate will tell us what are the things that give them rewards. And I will tell you, it's never, I have never heard, and I've asked this interview question easily 10,000 times. And I have never heard anybody say my first paycheck ever. They, well, people don't talk about money. What they talk about and what it tells us is what, is what do they find intrinsically rewarding about their work? I find it really fluffy, Shelly. I got to admit, it's very like touchy-feely, not uh, like, <laughs> okay. what's your thoughts on that question, Kim? Okay, come on, Kim. <laughs> come on. You know I don't, I don't mind the question. I ask a question where I think I'm looking for similar things. I ask it a little bit differently. My approach is different um, because I do want to know what excites people, you know, about their job, you know, what gets their gears going. Um, I position it a little bit. I'm going through their career, you know, the past kind of three or four roles. I ask them what attracted them like what, what attracted them to that new role? Like why did they leave their role? Like what was the decision maker in that? And then tell me the outcome of that. So kind of understanding, did it result in how you thought and why or why not? So tell me like where your hopes and aspirations were and where they landed and maybe where that disconnect or connect was, um, which I think would kind of give a similar mm. type um, feel. And also for me, I think, 
helps me to understand what motivates the the candidate for growth and movement. So, um, yeah. So still, still the same sort of, I think we're on the same track. Five, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming like I've already gone through work history. Um, but it, people like it's a, it's a, I found it to be pretty amazing that people will start to tell me things that I, all I have to ask is, Oh, and, and why was that? <laughs> and why was yeah. that? Right. Yeah. And then, you've really got all the information you need because if someone say, you know, they've spent the last um, 10 years, um, you know, as a, as a, say they've spent the last 10 years as a developer and they, they really don't like the work. And just because you've been a developer for 10 years doesn't mean you really like it, <laughs> you know? And so when you find out that, you know, they're, the, the only time that they were engaged was the time that they were doing the intake with um you know for a new project but they hated doing the coding yeah. right kind of important to know but yeah and i'm kidding when i say it's, well it is a little fluffy uh but, okay so uh, give what is you, your favorite though. interview qu- it is it is i get people in the heart arrow through the heart yeah i'm i'm less sensitive when it comes to that uh but I, i'm I am the belief that an interview should be a question. I think I get a lot more from people when it's an open dialogue and I, I purposely try to make them as comfortable as possible uh, as quick in the interview as I can. So try, it, I, I just think people are more, are going to give you better answers or more detailed answers if they're comfortable, which just seems what you're doing. The one thing that I really like to do is um, looking at a resume and looking like I'm in the tech space. Uh, and so when someone is, there's a tech stack or a language that maybe I'm not aware of, I ask them to explain it to me, to teach me this particular language or tech stack um, in, in their own words. And that usually gives me a really good idea if they actually know it or if they don't. Because if you know something in depth, you can be really good at explaining it and you're really good at teaching it. I would say oh, 70% of the time, it's pretty bad. Uh, and it, which is okay, because it helps me weed out 70% of the people. If you're going to put something on your resume, you better know it enough that you can explain it and teach it to someone else. If you can't, should not be on your resume. Uh, and I see that often outside of tech. I see it in actually the worst, 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 worst culprit is HR. I see resumes of HR that they'll go through, implemented uh, this training program. And then when I dig in deep to what the training program is, it's actually not a training program. They leverage a third party to come in. And the only work they did was negotiate with a third party. Um, I don't know if you guys see the same, but I find the worst culprit is HR putting things in a resume they actually can't really do. Am I off base there? I actually have referred a lot in HR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that um, true? Am I right? I mean, I think HR is one of those skill sets that you know, the same thing can be interpreted 10 different ways. It means 10 different things at 10 different companies. So I'd agree that you really need to dig in to go, well, exactly like what was your piece in this and how did you contribute? What were the outcomes? How, who were you working with? What were they doing? Just to really understand, yeah, how much. Yeah, what exactly was your involvement? Yeah, yeah. But isn't that an issue in HR that one thing can be, can be 10 different things. 
like isn't that part of the challenge that hr is having as far as building credibility in that sense that like in reality if you're in any other industry well the thing is the thing like it, it doesn't change like it's not a quantifiable skill set and that's the problem with it like hr marketing communications like it's it's not it's not as easy to quantify like as an accountant i can go okay, I took our quarter and closed from 14 days to three days. Like that means something to people. And, and it's easy to put in where HR has ideas and feelings. And is it really? Like, it, it, to some degree, right? It's about employee yeah. engagement and how do we quantify that? I mean, you can do an employee survey, but I mean, I don't know anybody who's actually giving a negative employee survey unless they're one foot out the door because as anonymous as they say it is, everyone's nervous. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been super honest on an employee engagement survey where I'm like, this place is garbage. Um, so I think it's more difficult to um, quantify the work that you've done and the changes you've made. Um, as cut and dry as it is with some more technical positions. Well, I think that's a major issue uh, in our industry. We should be able to quantify in HR what is actually accomplished and everything. And I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you that that's not the case right now. But this is why we don't have any credibility within the organization in a lot of cases because we can't quantify what we actually do and we can't quantify what the return on investment is, what actually we're seen as a cost center. And I'm basically putting recruitment into HR in this particular case. Recruitment in itself, like I think you, we've all hired recruiters, um, that should be a lot more quantifiable. Like, do you guys find that as well? <laughs> Oh, well, and an agency, it's all KPI driven, like your days mm -hmm. to fill, your orders open, your job orders brought in, candidates interviewed. So it's very metric to, um, and measured that way. I, I've never corporately recruited, so I don't know how you guys measure it internally. So no, I would say that recruitment, and you could even measure, obviously, even internal fall-offs and, you know, how long are people staying with the organization? So um yeah, I think recruitment would fall a little bit different um, than HR is. But I mean, I will say, because I've worked on a, quite a few HR roles this this year, is that some companies are doing a really great job at utilizing their HR and others are not. But it mm. is all about that buy-in. And so some of that needs to be a mindset change from the organization on are we taking a people focus or are we taking or and how are we marrying that with our business focus? Mm -hmm. Mm. So, Serge, tell me then, uh, let's share with us what you think is the worst interview question that you can ask. The worst That you've question? heard. Usually hiring managers. Of course, recruiters are not going to ask stupid questions, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, recruiters ask no. stupid questions all no. the time, including myself, um, all the time. I, I realized I asked a question, I'm like, that was a really stupid question, but then I just pretend it was a brilliant one and I, I just keep on going. Um, before I go into that though, what's your thoughts on my question, my favorite question as far as having them explain something that's on their resume? Do you think that has value? So, so here's, here's what I would ask you to think about is are you assuming, so here's where I guess the difference between you and I. 
I assume that by and large people underrepresent what they have done versus going in attack mode and prove to me that you you have the right to put this on your resume. Those are two very different approaches, sir. You really think people are underrepresented? I think it's the I 100% do. the opposite. I do. Uh, Kim, I do. break the tiebreaker here. What's your thought? <laughs> I mean, I think on a technical basis, um, people will tend to oversell themselves. Although I do think people understate the amount of things they're doing, if that makes sense. Like I think they'll leave out huge portions of their job because they believe it's an assumption. Um, But anything like their technical competencies, um, I do believe that they tend to push it more in their favor um, on their expertise level. Told you, Shelly, I'm right again. <laughs> no, search. Yeah, no, you heard I, I it think from you him. Live in a, you're in a bubble. You, you're, no. you guys are both living in a little bit of a bubble. No, no, like no. You you're, are. You're, no, you're, you're being ex- like, this is just a small percentage of the workforce. I will tell you, because I know we've all looked at thousands of resumes. And for the most part, there's going to be things that they never talked about because you couldn't possibly until maybe they're working for you and you get to know them and it turns out oh my god you've run trade shows you've actually done graphic design nowhere did it say other than a a little bullet point that said graphic design work and turns out this person's a freaking rock star i agree with you on that like that's what i mean i agree that people like leave out like big pieces of their role but i think like in their technical like saying you know, I'm proficient in MS Office where it's like, man, I can open an Excel document. And it's yes. like, so I think people do tend to kind of push some of that. A hundred percent. I think that's a perfect example. Everyone has Excel on their resume. And um, it's like saying, it, you know how to use an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? Who doesn't know how to use Excel? Yes. Like I have never taken an Excel class. <laughs> Although I've never taken an Excel class, but I think I no. But it out. there's a difference between knowing to use Excel and knowing to use Excel. Like oh. can you do V lookups? Can you like? There's there's plenty of things. Especially I see it in the accounting world all the time, which I'm shocked that they know less than I do, uh, and I'm not that proficient. And like I I can get around it. So, so I'm going to answer your question. Worst interview question is. It's pretty easy is, uh, well, there's a couple that are, what's your biggest weakness? Like, Gosh, I hate that question. Like, oh my God. Give me a fucking break on that one. What's the best answer for that question? What's the best answer for that question? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I actually don't know. I know I, there is one, uh, but I in reality, like. attention to detail. Yeah, I exactly. I work too hard. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. like, you know what the, be- though, the best answer to that question is. What is saying- it? answering that question <laughs> the best answer to that so saying like someone says what's your greatest weakness you say actually my greatest weakness is answering this question because <laughs> <laughs> it's so awkward right so oh, i agree it is Worst yeah. question. any other bad questions oh um mine is oh tell me about yourself in in what let's context? start with what when i where, where I do you want me to born? start like, yes. what a stupid thing to ask somebody. Oh, tell me about yourself. Well, what you can do oh, okay. is uh, you can answer, well, I was born in 1982 and um, to a poor family. <laughs> Any other bad questions, Kim? 
I think your like worst quality is probably, yeah, it's, I never asked that question because I, yeah, I can't stand it. I've heard, you know, some weird questions that people have asked before, you know, if you could be any tree, what tree would you be? Oh, and yes. why? Like things like that, like those really new, like age. Or riddles. Questions. Yeah. Riddle. <laughs> like, it's minus 30 out. You're driving down the Deerfoot Trail. You stick your arm out the window. How cold <laughs> is it outside? No, really. I had a candidate ask me that one time. I swear to God. So we were, you know, at the end of the interview, you're saying, so do you have any questions for us? This guy stands up fully animated and he's go, I got a question for you. And he gives me this whole driving down the deer foot at minus 30. And I'm like, uh, well, you Mm. said it's minus 30 out. Oh yeah. First person that ever got that. Oh Uh, wow. Yeah. Didn't take much. Um, no, (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I think we oh all God. get, and we all ask stupid questions at one particular time. I actually had, I'll, I'll, I'll close off this section on, on this is I had one situation where I'm, I think we've all been shocked when we're hiring managers and they start asking questions and I'm like, oh my God, no, no. And I had that where the, it actually was for an HR role and the person in operations was asking a question of basically was breaking the law uh, but he wanted to go ahead from this HRP person that it was okay to break the law in this case because it would have cost us a lot of money if we actually did the safety procedure that we needed to do. And he was upset that all the HR candidates basically told him that he couldn't do that and potentially he's our, here are alternatives that you could do that are not breaking the law. He didn't want any of those candidates because uh, they didn't go along to what he was trying to do. And then, then it, it struck me, I'm like, first, are you actually doing this? Like, is this a thing you're doing like in real life? And then he's like, no, no, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but of course he was actually doing that. So anyways, um, one of the things that came that I saw on your LinkedIn profile that I thought was really cool, uh, we've all seen people kind of highlight talent on LinkedIn uh, from different walks of life, but you're actually doing the opposite and highlighting different business. Tell me a little bit what uh, the idea behind that was. Yeah, so I actually got the idea a couple of weeks ago. It was my husband's birthday and we went down to this Japanese restaurant down in Mission. I had, um, I follow them on Instagram and we love Japanese food in my house. So, and as we know, some of the best Asian restaurants are super small, packed in, best food. And this was no different, small space, but with the new COVID restrictions and the way they had to situate their tables, it was like, they could have maybe three tables at a time active. And it, it just really struck a chord with me. Like, how's this business even surviving? And then I went to pay and the woman was so grateful that we were there, asked if I'd been there before. I said, no, I follow you on Instagram. We just wanted to try it out. And she just was so thankful that we were there. Please come again. And I thought, what could I be doing to be talking about these businesses, which I know is a little bit off content for me, because obviously I'm all about, you know, talking about recruitment and all of that. But I thought, I could dedicate one day a week or one day every two weeks to kind of just highlighting a small business, sharing a little bit of story, what they do, sharing their website. And if that even equals five extra customers for them, um, I think right now, the more we can do to help these businesses, like I'm so grateful as a small business that I've had the support of my network 
that has allowed me to continue. I mean, this is my first year open. I've just closed out my first year end and what a wild first year and absolutely could not have survived without, you know, people trusting and and sharing about what I'm doing. So I just would love to kind of give back in that way to other small Calgary based businesses that yeah, maybe could just use a little bit of attention who don't have the money to be investing in advertising dollars right now. I I have a huge reach. And so why not uh, give back? So my first one will be, so I'm excited. I I really like it. I think it's uh, really good for us to do that. It's really good for you to do that. So congrats on that. So Kim, we're going to close off with this. Uh, Where can we find you? What's the easiest way to get a hold of Kim Wilkinson? (laughs) Definitely on LinkedIn. I'm on there every day, all day. So shoot me a note and I respond to every message as long as it's appropriate. (laughs) And can you repeat where they can vote for you for the top recruiter um, in Canada? So in Canada, toprecruiter.co. Yeah, toprecruiter.co. And yeah, go to their website. I also, if you go to my LinkedIn page, have a posting on there where I've shared if you just want a quick link. And yeah, I would appreciate everybody's support. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kim for uh, joining us once again. And great chat. Um, it's It just feels like we're just sitting around, uh, you know, visiting, having having a good chat about recruitment. So love your perspective. And thank you so much for taking time to meet with us today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.